Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. This morning, I want to talk to you um, real quickly. Uh, you know, sometimes the environment at home stinks. Sometimes, um, sometimes things are tense. Sometimes, sometimes we pull at each other. Sometimes life seems to suck the joy out of our relationships. Sometimes it feels like I go, maybe you go, from one battle to another. Sometimes it seems like that no matter how hard you're trying, your week gets worse and your life gets harder. Sometimes it seems like no matter how much you're trying to serve God, you keep getting beat up and damaged. When we think of giving thanks, sometimes we think of giving thanks like a vitamin. It's something we ought to do. It's something that if you do it enough, it might help you. But I want to tell you, I don't think giving thanks is like a vitamin. I think uh, giving thanks is almost more like a pain pill. It totally, if it works right, it totally removes the hurt from your life and gives you a peace and a strength that allows you to function in ways that you never functioned before. I say all that to say this, thanksgiving, if any of those opening statements you 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 resounded with. You thought, yeah, me too. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, stuff at home stinks. Sometimes I feel like I'm getting beat up. Sometimes I feel like I'm just a victim of my latest circumstance. I'm here to tell you this morning, Thanksgiving is not a nicety that we should do, but I'm here to tell you, Thanksgiving is a way that God can infuse His power into your life. And if you need the infusion of God's power into your life, into your home, into your family, I would challenge you today to listen closely and understand the power of giving thanks. The truth is, life can dampen out the fire of our gratitude. The enemy can make us numb to the reality of God's presence. But I want you to know that God's power can redeem every moment if we'll connect with Him. And if you don't know how to connect with God, one of the greatest ways to connect with Him is through giving thanks. I want to ask you to turn with me to your Bibles, Luke chapter 24. This scripture I'm going to share with you is actually a scripture I have preached from a lot, but I usually preach from this scripture right right around Easter time. I mean, this is one of those, those just reliable, always works, always ministers to us around Christmas time. But today I want to talk to you about it in the light of Thanksgiving. Jesus has been crucified. He has uh, been in the, in the grave for three days. Most people believe that uh, Christianity, as we would call it, is over. If you're a Jesus follower, you wasted the last several years of your life. If you had your hopes on Jesus, your hope is dashed, is diminished, diminished, it's over. Um, But Jesus has risen from the dead, which you would think would change everything, but it doesn't change that much because even though he's alive and he's been seen by Peter and Mary and several others, those that hear the news don't believe it. Can you believe that people would hear news about Jesus and not believe it? 
It happened. And so two such people were walking. They were basically walking away from hope. They were walking away from believing God. They were walking away from thinking that Jesus could do anything for them. And they're walking to the, on the road to Emmaus, about a seven-mile journey. And as they're walking with their hope in their past, as they're walking with nothing seemingly to be thanking God for or praising God for, as they're walking in a state of depression and disappointment, as they're walking there, Jesus comes up to them and begins to walk with them. How many of you are glad that Jesus will walk with you in your disappointment? Amen. Jesus walks up beside them and begins to talk to them, but they are so overwhelmed with disappointment that they don't even recognize him. Here's a, here's a little clue for you this morning. Be careful what you believe when you're going through seasons of disappointment and heartbreak because your eyes get closed to the reality of God in such moments. But Jesus comes beside them. He begins to talking to them and they were just about to stop for the night and Jesus he acted like he was going to go farther but they urged him strongly in verse number 29 stay with us for it is nearly evening the day is almost over so he went in to stay with them and when he was at the table with them he took the bread listen to the next two words he gave what? He gave thanks. And he broke the bread and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were open and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? It's like, how did we not understand it was Jesus? I'll tell you how they didn't understand it was Jesus. They were so blinded by their heartbreak and their disappointment. What they had seen had overcome what Jesus had been speaking to them for years. Was not our heart burning while he talked to us? And the next scripture says, within the hour, within the hour, these two guys who were walking away from everything they're supposed to be doing for God, they turned around and instead of completing their journey to Emmaus, they went back. And they found other disciples, and they continued to be a part of those who were Christ's followers. Their world changed the moment Jesus gave thanks. Father, I pray this morning that if there are people, which I know they are because you have, you have assigned this message to this service for this purpose today, that you are wanting to redeem and restore those who have lost hope in you. Lord, you've already confirmed that. Uh, through, through the prayer time this morning. So God, I pray today as we speak and look at this word that you will redeem our hearts, that you open our eyes to see that you have hope for us and that we can embrace that hope by giving thanks to you. And everybody in the room said amen. Amen. Before I go any further, so thankful to have our friends, the Rainies, in service with us today. Thank you. Would y'all give like, our missionaries feel welcome today? Thank you guys for being here this morning. The honors with your presence. God bless you. God bless you. So hope was lost. Hearts were broken. Disappointment was ruling the day. Have you ever had a moment in your life where hope was ruling the day, where disappointment was ruling the day, where hope seemed lost? And yet everything changed the moment. Jesus gave thanks. 
The act of recognizing that Jesus was with them changed everything. When Jesus gave thanks, he was, he was replying to, he was telling those disciples, despite what you see, what you know, what you feel, what you hear, despite everything you're going through, when Jesus gave thanks, he let them know, listen, God is still providing, he's still guiding, he's still on the scene, he's still in your life to make a difference, he's here to use you and use you to make a difference in the lives of everyone else. When Jesus gave thanks, it changed the entire atmosphere of that moment. And I want to tell you this morning, if your life is in the dumps today, if your life seems to be going the wrong direction, you feel like God's best days for me are behind me, there's no way He can redeem me, can I tell you, if you will begin to give thanks to God, it can change the trajectory of your life. First Thessalonians says, to be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. See, when we give thanks to God, we're not doing so. And this scripture does not say to be thankful for all things. That would just be nuts. It says to give thanks in all things. Not for all things, but in all things. Why? Because even in our disappointments, even in our heartbreak, even in our confusion, even in things not going the way we planned them or even the way we thought that God had promised them. How many of you just because God promised you something doesn't mean it's going to go the way you perceived it was going to go? But you, if you'll stay thankful in those moments, what you're doing in that moment you give thanks to God, you're pointing your entire your situation, you're pointing your mind, you're pointing your spirit to focus on God and not on the things around you. And then the, the peace of God can come in and guard your heart and transform your life. It can remind you that, hey, I'm going to give thanks to God even though I don't feel like it because I know that even in this thing, He's working things together for me if I'm called according to His purpose, if I'm walking according to His plans, if I'm living a righteous life, I know my steps are still ordered. So I want to talk to you real quickly about how, does, how can thanksgiving transform our life? I almost, almost had you come in and sit down and let me preach first and then worship second. So you'd have a few moments to practice thanksgiving. We may still give you a moment at the end of the service today to practice thanksgiving, but Here's why it's so powerful. Number one, Thanksgiving is powerful because it recognizes that God is your source. When Jesus gave thanks in front of those disciples, Jesus had just risen from the dead, but he, he quickly admitted or pointed the disciples that, hey, I'm still thankful to my Father. Though I have resurrection power in my hands, I'm still pointing to God the Father. See, Thanksgiving is imperative for not just this season, but for every season because it points our life, it, it testifies to ourself, if no one else, over and over again that, hey, God is my source. How many of you know that sometimes we need to rem you need to remember that God's your source? Sometimes we think our bank account's our source. That sucker will dry up if you're not careful. Sometimes we think people are our source. Listen, people can be fickle. Even people that love you. Sometimes, guess what? They're people. Right? They love you. They want, they want the best for you, but they don't always know what the best is. But when we give thanks to God, we're recognizing that, that He is our source. 
We're, we're recognizing what James chapter 1 says in verse number 17, that every gift I have, whether it's people gifts, financial gifts, ability gifts, the ability to make money, whatever it is, every gift I have, it comes from the Lord. And so therefore, my life is not dependent upon my ability. My life is just an extension. It's a demonstration of God's ability. And Jesus was in a pattern, by the way, of giving thanks over and over and over again. You know, when Jesus got ready to feed the 5,000, and someone brought a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish, Jesus told them, hey, have people sit down. And the Bible says he did in that moment the exact thing he did among these two disciples. He broke the bread first, and then he what? He gave thanks. He already knew what was about to happen. He wouldn't have had people sit down. How many of you don't have people sit down and get ready to eat if you don't have food for them? Right? If you invite me over for dinner and you tell me to sit down and you put a plate in front of me, there better be something coming. (laughs) Jesus had him sit down. He knew what he was about to do. He knew what was going on. But But before he did everything, he stopped and he gave thanks. When Jesus was getting ready to raise Lazarus from the dead, even with tears in his eyes because he saw how heartbroken Mary and Martha was. How many know that Jesus knew that he was going there, right? It's in the, he, he said, we're going to go and we're going to wake him up. In other words, we're going to go and we're going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew what he was going to do before he got there. But yet, when he got there, what did he do? He, he, he wept with those who were weeping. But then he, said, he began to pray and he prayed this prayer. God, I'm thankful that you hear me. You know what Thanksgiving does? It reminds us that God hears us, right? It don't matter if, you may, if I make my bed in hell or if I rise to the heavens. The psalmist said, wherever I am, guess what? He hears me. I get so stinking, excuse my crude language. I get so stinking frustrated with my cell phone sometimes. I mean, I pay good money to these people. And sometimes they don't hear me. I don't have connection. But when I give thanks to God, in a moment, I have connection with the Father. When I give thanks to God, no force on heaven, on earth, or in hell can stop the interaction between me and my Savior. Because when I call on the name of God, that's where He is. When Jesus was praying over the Passover, He gave thanks Jesus was constantly giving thanks. It was pointing to others that, hey guys, this isn't, we're not doing this on our own. God is with us. He's providing for us. You know, one of the Old Testament names, there's all different names that are ascribed to our Heavenly Father. And um, in a few weeks, I'm really excited. Uh, Liz Lopez is in charge now she's probably wondering what I'm about to say about her, but she's in charge of decorating our lobby for, for Christmas, and, and she's going to be decorating it with a lot of different names that we ascribe to the Lord. So I'm excited for you to see that. I've got to see a little bit of, of a peek of it. But, uh, but it describes all the different things we, we say about the Lord and, and things that are true about Him. And in the Old Testament, one of the, one of the ways the Lord is described is, is with this name. It's called Jehovah Jireh, which means what? The Lord... The Lord, our provider. And, and, and you know, the, 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 uh, the, the occurrence of that name being assigned to our, our Father is actually when, when, uh, when the Lord 
told a particular father, hey, I want you to take your son, right? Abraham, take Isaac. I want you to take your son, your one and only son, and I want you to take him to the top of this mountain and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Talk about steps of faith. And they're walking for this meeting. Abraham's told Isaac, we're going to worship and we're going to return, even though God's told Abraham, I want you to go take your son and sacrifice him to me. They're walking along, and Isaac says these words. Now, I'm kind of taking a little bit of liberty, but you can look, up, look it up in the book of Genesis. Isaac asks the question. He says, Dad, I, I see the fire, and I see the wood, but, but where's, where's the sacrifice? And Abram's response, if you remember his response, he just simply said this, The Lord will provide a sacrifice. And he gets to the top of the mountain. You know, he was just about to go through with this instruction for the Lord. Matter of fact, Hebrew, the Hebrew writer says it like this, that Abraham was about to go through it because he believed in his heart that God could raise his son from the dead if necessary to provide and keep his word. But in the, minute, in the moment when Abraham was about to son, take his son's life, a voice spoke to him, told him to change direction. There was a, the Lord provided a different sacrifice and and on that day, Abraham said, from now on, we're going to call, we're going to refer to this place as Jehovah-Jireh because of God's gracious provision. See, every time we give thanks, we're saying, God, I believe that you are Jehovah-Jireh. You are my provider. Not people, not things, not the economy, not, not myself. Sometimes I think I'm my own provider. But I'll just tell you, that doesn't give me an excuse to be lazy. But I'm not my own provider. And thanksgiving takes the, takes the attention off of me and puts it on God. You know, we've got a, we've got a five-year-old and, and I'll tell the story and move on. But our five-year-old Nora, many of you have seen her running around here, um, she has this thing she does at the dinner table a lot. We'll be sitting there, and of course I'm ready to get into it, and, and she'll say, if you made the potatoes, raise your hand. Now, I don't raise my hand, but Megan does. So. If you made the drink, raise your hand. And she'll go around and she'll make sure whoever did whatever got credit for it. You know what Thanksgiving is? It's us making sure that God gets the credit for everything that's on our table, everything that's in our life. It's not because of our good works. It's because of His good works, because of what He's provided for us. Thanksgiving declares, I'm not responsible or sufficient or new outdoor I need to be because I am God-dependent. Number two, Thanksgiving reminds us that God is with us says, then their eyes were opened. All along the walk, they felt their heart burn in a good way. Their heart was burning as Jesus spoke to them, but they felt like God was absent. Now, let me just say something to you. I know you already know. It's very possible for God to be with you 
and it seemed like God is absent. I would like to say it this time, this way. Anytime in your life you have ever believed that God has forsaken you or abandoned you or left you alone is actually a moment where God was with you and you didn't even recognize it. The book of Genesis talks about how Joshua spent the night somewhere. I'm sorry, Jacob spent the night somewhere and he said this statement. He said, surely the Lord was with me and I didn't even know it. See, Thanksgiving turned that meal with Jesus into something ordinary and mundane to something life-changing and, and, and sacred. And I want to tell you, when God seems far away, if you'll just take a moment and despite how distant God feels, if you'll begin to worship Him and thank Him in that moment, no matter where you are, the presence of God can transform any place on earth to be a sanctuary of His presence right where you are. Oswald Chambers says, having the reality of God's presence is not dependent on us being in a particular place or circumstances, but it's dependent on our ability to keep the Lord before us always. Thanksgiving is a way we keep the Lord's presence before us. The psalmist said in Psalms Uh, 121. It says, I lift my eyes into the hills from where my help comes from because my help is the Lord God, the creator of heaven and earth. Every time I give thanks to the Lord, what I'm doing is I'm lifting my eyes above the hills. I'm lifting my eyes above the things around me. I'm lifting my eyes to God because it doesn't matter what I see, what I feel, what I don't feel. God is still worthy of of my worship and my praise. And when I decide to worship him in those moments, his experience comes. And here's what I'm learning. The more unfamiliar the territory, the more more uncertainty I have about the future, the more I must lift my hands and give God thanks anyway. I'll just tell you, the the last year... Of, of my life have been some of the hardest months perhaps ever I've endured in certain seasons. And there have been, you may think I'm crazy. That's okay, you probably already do. But there's been more, more than one occasion. I thought if Megan wakes up, she's going to think I'm nuts. But at 2 o'clock in the morning, laying in the bed, I'll just I'll wake up. And I'll be flooded with all different types of thoughts, fears, emotions, concerns, worries, loss, whatever it is. And I'll just begin to lift my head. I'm laying in bed, but I'm lifting my hands. And I just begin to worship God. And though my mind and my circumstance say that there's not a whole lot to worship God about, here's what I've discovered. When I lift my hands and cry out to God, even if no one's awake and no one's there, He shows up. And he'll show up for you. Thanksgiving is an opportunity for the God who seems far away. Notice I just said seems. Seems. He's not far away. For the God who seems far away to show that his presence is near. And I know some of you are wondering, well, Pastor, how long does that take? Like when I begin to worship him, does he show up in the first 30 seconds? Or do you have to just keep giving thanks for 30 days? 
Here's the answer, yes. Sometimes he shows up in the first 30 seconds. I love those moments. Sometimes he's got me more on the 30-day plan. But I discover if I just keep lifting him up, if I just keep giving things, he keeps sustaining me in ways that I never thought could be done. I love that old song we sing. Sometimes we still sing it. It says, when I think about the Lord, it makes me want to shout. Right? When I think about the Lord and how He saved me, what does the song say? Raise me, fill me with the Holy Spirit, turn my life around. The more I begin to, well, what is all those things I'm talking about? Remembering those things. That's how you give thanks to God. You begin to hit replay on your life. And you begin to think how faithful God has been. You begin to replay all those moments where you thought this is the end. All those moments you thought, you know, I outtrusted God. You ever thought you outtrusted God? What do you mean by that? You trusted Him and you think, hmm, He didn't show up. He didn't fulfill what I thought He told me He was going to do. And yet, every time I think I've got God in those corners, He always makes a door that I didn't expect to be there and shows up in a way better than I ever expected. He is faithful when I'm faithless. And when I recount those moments where He's been good, His presence begins to fill my life again. Here's the third thing, is Thanksgiving opens our life, our eyes, to how God is working today. Verse number 33 of our text, Luke 24. When they recognized it was Jesus. This has to be frustrating. They recognized it was Jesus and he disappears. Like the moment they could say, Lord, it's you. This is awesome. Before they could give him a high five or a hug or whatever. He's like. But the word says he gave thanks. They recognized him, he disappeared, and then they, they just, they just walked seven miles. But within the hour, they get up, and this walk back is dangerous, right? It's getting late into the evening. If you walk back in the dark, you're taking your life in your own hands, but they walk back. Because their grief and their disappointment that had paralyzed them had now been removed. The moment of thanksgiving reminded them that, hey, God's still working. Jesus is not finished. The promise is still true. His plan is still intact. The purpose for my life is not over. It didn't die in a tomb, but it's alive today. And they wanted to get back in on what God was doing. Here's what you will discover if you will give thanks to God. That he's not through with you. He's not through with you. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them God's not through with you. Thanksgiving opened the door for them to re-engage in the work of Jesus. You know, Paul and Silas, I think about them. I know we wear their story out a lot. But when they were taken to jail, they could have thought, this is it for us. They could have started writing letters to their family and 
telling them, please give Cousin John my Rolex and give Susie Q my recipe to good brownies and, you know, all this stuff. They could have just started writing all these things. But instead of complaining or moaning or worrying, instead, without a promise of life beyond the next morning, they begin to give thanks and worship to God. Sometimes I wonder what their song sounded like. Sometimes I wish we had the lyrics to that on our screen. But I got a feeling just by reading the writings of Paul other places that it probably was a song of thanksgiving. It was a song that perhaps it started, God, I'm so thankful that when I was in the middle of persecuting the church, when I was in the middle of trying to take people to jail for preaching, for preaching Jesus, God, I'm so thankful that you reached down and you changed my life. You knocked me off my high horse, so to speak. You knocked me off of my own way of doing things. And you saved me and you've been using me. And God, it has been the ride of my life. You have used me. I don't know what he's saying about but I believe it is a song of thanksgiving. Because... God had used him. Here's the thing. Thanksgiving opens our eyes to people around us and opportunities around us. If you ever find yourself singing that old song, gloom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery, you know that song? No, you're too saved to know that song. That's what I thought. When you feel like you're in a personal pity party and no one's attending for you, when you feel like you are beat up, understand that even in your lowest moments, God can use you. I'll never forget, I was at a basketball game. Uh, many of you have heard this story, uh, or not this story, but you, many of you know uh, my story. My, my mother passed away at a very young age. Well, I think it's, it's getting younger and younger all the time. At age 49, she uh, passed away after a, a, about a three-year bout with cancer, horrible, horrible um, disease that, that, that took her in many painful moments um, during that journey that she was on. But she made it her mission that, that no matter how painful the season was, that she was going to minister beyond that misery she was living in. And so she was always loving people, giving people, praying for people. I'll never forget people. She owned her own business. People would come into our office, and, and, and here she is, just got back from a chemo treatment, and she's laying hands on people and praying for them in her office. And one of the most painful things, but yet rejoicing things, was uh, days after her funeral, people were like, we didn't even know she was sick. And it wasn't because she hadn't been sick. It's just that she was so busy ministering that people assume, well, if you're ministering, you must have your stuff together. If you're ministering, you must not have any pain in your life. But see, when you're giving thanks to God, sometimes you get relief from your pain through what God is doing through you and in you. And I'll never forget, I was at a basketball game, and this lady approached me who I sort of knew, and she, I, she knew who I was, and she walked up to me. She said, hey, how do you like my earrings? And I normally don't comment on married ladies' earrings. Uh, she said, how do you like my earrings? I said, oh, those are nice. She goes, do you recognize them? I'm like, no. She said, you know, I was in the hospital, and your mom came and saw me and prayed for me, and she gave me these earrings, and every time I wear them, I remember her kindness to me. 
She was making impacts through her pain. I'm just here to tell you, your impact that you can make for God is not dependent on what you're going through or what's happened to you or who's attacking you. Some of you, so many people think, well, when, when, when life gets easy, then I'll do something for God. What if you say, God, use me in the hard moments, use me in the broken moments, use me in the hurting moments so the healing of God can not just come to you but flow through you. These men were broken but God Jesus appeared to them they gave thanks and all of a sudden when they begin to understand God is still our source and God still wants to use us they changed the direction and they said this might be dangerous we might be persecuted and the reason Jesus appeared to his disciples in locked door came to them through a locked door was because there was a certain fear in those early disciples that We could get killed for doing this. I mean, they just killed Jesus. What makes us think they won't kill us? But these two disciples walked back and embraced all the danger that was there so that they could be identified and participate in what Jesus was doing. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning as Megan comes because I believe this morning there's some people today that God wants to change your circumstance. He wants to change your situation. He wants to change your environment. Max Lucado has a, has a new book which I, I highly recommend. It's on, it's on the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in his book, he contrasts two separate strategies for facing hardship and chaos. And the two words he used, he says, when life is hard, when life is difficult, when life seems chaotic, you can either choose inebriation our celebration. Inebriation is when we try to drink our pain away, drug our pain away. Some people try to work their pain away. We become some sort of addict to some sort of addiction, whether it's something that the world calls positive or negative. Or he says you can celebrate through that pain. The word says it like this in Ephesians, that don't, don't be thoughtless, but understand. He said, don't be drunk with wine because it ruins your life. But instead, he says, be filled with the Spirit, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, giving thanks to the Lord, giving thanks to Him in everything. See, here's the thing about self-soothing and self-coping. It doesn't last. I've noticed that a lot of restaurants have happy hour every day. You know why they have happy hour every day? Because it doesn't make you happy. It gives you a moment of relief when God wants to give you something better, a lifetime of redemption. And he begins to do that when we understand what he's done for us, what he's done for us, and take advantage of that.
this morning, you say, Pastor, my life is, it is defined by hurt, heartache, disappointment, hopelessness. You say, Pastor, I'm just, I, I just, I need a change of environment internally. Maybe you need a change of environment on your job, or your home, all that stuff, but, but it has to start with us. It has to start with us. You say, Pastor, I need to do that. I need, I, need to, I need the Lord to change the inward environment of my heart and my mind and my life. If that's you today, we just lift a hand real quick. That's me, Pastor. Pray for me. Amen. 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 I'm always used to be more. Several hands are raised. Amen. In the balcony, on the floor. Now, if you lifted your hand, I'm going to assume you're in one of two categories. Category number one, you're a Christ follower, but you have allowed life to, like these two disciples we read about, you have allowed life and disappointment and hurt to cover up, to drown out the presence and the greatness of the God you serve. And in just a moment, when I challenge us to start giving thanks to the Lord, if you will begin to give thanks to God despite what you're going through, I believe He's going to change the inward atmosphere of your heart that in return is going to begin to change the atmosphere of every place you enter. But secondly today, the second person that may have lifted their hand, you say, Pastor, I need my environment to change, but you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never let him change your heart the first time. You've never said, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you to do and to be what I cannot be, and that is to be my Savior, my Redeemer, which simply means I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to forgive me of my sins, my mistakes, my shortcomings, my past. And from this day forward, I, I don't want to just live life. I want life that's life that is God's way, that brings God's promises and God's help instead of my own help and the world help that always fails me. If that's you today, I just want you to know that Jesus can become your Savior and you can become a Christ follower very quickly. It doesn't take a 30-year process. You can go from death to life in just a matter of moments. And here's how you do it. The Word says that if we will declare that Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you are the Son of God. And you came to earth, you lived a perfect life, you died a sacrificial death, and you rose again on the third day so that people like me who are far from God can be made near to God. And I want to take hold of everything you have provided for me. Lord, forgive me of my past, forgive me of my sin, Cleanse me from all of it. Make me brand new in you. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you. If you will take a prayer, there's nothing magical about the formula. Repeating a prayer never changed anyone, but saying a prayer from your heart will change everyone who prays it from their heart, who means it. So today, if you've never committed your life to Christ, I would challenge you to take that pattern I just gave you and say, Lord, I need you. Jesus, I'm choosing to follow you. Forgive me my sins. Today, I'm passing from life from death to life 
this could be your life-changing moment. And you can give the Lord thanks because you do have something to thank Him about. He is recreating your life. So, Father, I pray for those right now in both categories. God, I pray that today you will awaken them, that you will transform their heart, their life. I pray you will be that lifeline to them. I pray that right now, God, you will begin to change the atmosphere of their home. God, be that lifeline of your presence to them and through them. God, save those who are calling upon you, whose lives are changing today, and they're never going to be the same because they're beginning to walk with you. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, would you join by standing today? What does Thanksgiving do? Number one, it says, God, you're my source. Number two, it says, God, you are with me. And number three, it says, God, you can still use me. So this morning, as our closing act of worship, I want to ask you to join me in this song of the church. If, if we can find the words, when I think about the Lord, if we can find those words upon the screen, it'd be great. If not, just fake it. But the main thing is just worship the Lord together, and we'll dismiss in just a moment. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Give Him thanks as we sing it this morning. When I think about yeah. the Lord, Hallelujah. how He saved me, how He raised me, how, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost, how He healed me to the uttermost. When, when I think about the Lord, how He me up and he turned me around how he placed my feet on solid ground it makes me want to shout hallelujah thank you Jesus Lord you're worthy of all of the glory all of the honor and all of the praise hallelujah it makes me come on wanna shout. hallelujah thank you jesus lord you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all Father, Father, I pray that, God, you will transform our life, not just this week. I, I pray this will not be a, a week of thanksgiving. I pray that we will lead a life of thanksgiving. And as we give you thanks, God, you will, you will infuse our hearts, infuse our life with the power of Jesus, that no place will be off limits to your power, restoring us, working through us, redeeming us and using us that God no matter how hard the day is that God you're with us so God I pray today you will equip this people to be world changers for you God I pray you will infuse them with hope so that they can infuse others with hope God I pray that though their their past may be knocking at their door 
Lord, they may think that that life you call them to is impossible. God, I pray that with thanksgiving, you would infuse with them the strength to get over what's coming against them. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Should give the Lord a hand clap for his word today. We love you, Lord. Now listen, listen, I hope I gave you a life lesson this morning. That's this place, this right here. No place you go is off limits to the presence of God if you can remember how to give thanks to him. Amen. God bless you. Have a happy Thanksgiving. See you next Sunday. Have a great day. God bless you. We love you. If you're a first-time guest, I'd love to greet you and meet you. I'll be on the front porch in 60 seconds. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day, and God bless.